Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we talk about the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma. Thanks for joining us. Recently, we had a conversation about the challenges of managing immigration in our country, and we touched on the activities of organizations such as Operation Tudula, which campaigned to give priority, apparently, to South Africans when it comes to jobs and business opportunities. Uh, Tudula is again in the news following the arrest of its leader, Ntantalax Zlamini. This week, we ask whether there is a leadership vacuum in our society which leaves space for groups like Tudula to flourish. With immediate effect. When people zone. And I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shit. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Chaperson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The NC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Our guest this time are Dr. Derika Lamprecht, who's a senior politics lecturer at Stellenbosch University, as well as Vua Fegeta, who's an arena journalist who has been following the, the events and developments around the Tutula movement uh, of late. Uh, welcome to the both of you. Uh, so shall we start with you? Um, w- when did Operation Tutula begin? Well, according to the people who I would call frontmen or the leaders of Operation Tutula, and the, the, because there are several groups, you know, under the Tutula umbrella, uh, some of these groups, according to the people who lead them, have been in existence for quite some time, <clears throat> uh, as early as 2015. Uh, but their activities, as we have come to know them, would have started late last year, uh, where they included the evictions of you know, informal traders from uh, taxi ranks and other vending, you know, <coughs> spaces, including pavements in economic centers in Alex and Soweto. So that's how many people would have come to know about both Operation Tudula and the Alex Tudula movement, which it fashions itself as, as uh, themselves as organizations that are actually organized to deal with the illegal immigration. As you would know, that there's been a constant problem raised even by political parties that in economic centers in South Africa, particularly Johannesburg, there has been an influx of undocumented uh, foreign nationals who sometimes are in, implicated in acts of criminality. And but where if you go to townships, you know, uh, locals would com- be complaining about the fact that uh, they are taking away, you know, their socio-economic opportunities by taking the little jobs or job opportunities that they have, including trading as informal traders. Mm. You you have been observing the, the developments, you know, around around the movement, you know. At a Tudula match, what actually happens typically? What's their modus operandi? In other words, uh, are people singing? Are they armed? Are they are they what what what, what actually happens? Yeah, more, more often, I mean, sometimes it's, it's, they do not have a uniform approach. You know, it, it depends on a day on a day on, on that particular day. But I would say generally, it involves going to these spaces that I was referring to, where people have their stalls, where people are actually you know packing their produce on pavements and trading informally. 
and they would instruct them, you know, to actually vacate those spaces and tell them that they are undocumented and those spaces are reserved for locals. And in the event that they refuse, sometimes they would actually turn and flip those tables where they are, are using to trade, you know, around. Uh, and sometimes there would be altercations, you know. But uh, for example, sometimes they wouldn't do that, you know. They, they, they would go there escorted by the police and visit establishments where they would actually be assisted by the police, you know, escorting them. So sometimes they, sometimes these, these, these evictions or the so-called cleanup as Tutula movement called, called their, their operation, it would involve, you know, the participation of the police. Sometimes it would involve what one would call vigilantism. So it doesn't have a uniform approach, you know. Hence, they would use their, that defense, the presence of the police in some of their operations to say, we are not a vigilante group, you know, we are doing this with the assistance of law enforcement. But as I would have observed, for example, going to Alex, you know, in February and March and earlier in March, sometimes you would see them actually instructing even business, I mean, shops, you know, owners to actually close down as they would actually be saying, they are conducting a, a shutdown you know, of, of Alexandra. Uh, so that, 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 and you find that now there would, you, you, there's an altercation not only with the foreign nationals who would be refusing to leave uh, the, 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 their stalls and, and their businesses, but also with the police. They would clash with, also with the police. Hence, we, we saw earlier you know, in March that some of the Operation Tutula, I mean, the Alex Tutula movement uh, members, uh, were, were arrested. There would have been about five of them arrested on that day when the police would have, you know, been heavily deployed in Alex. Given, I mean, after after the the, the fight, uh, the violent clashes between the foreign nationals and operation and, and Dudula movement. Okay, hey, Dr. Lampres, I'd, I'd like for you to come in. Siviwe has alluded to vigilantism. You know, shall we very briefly unpack what we what we're talking about? Because some people are saying that you know it's very dangerous, you know, to to allow vigilantism uh, to flourish, you know, in what is supposed to be a democratic uh, and law and order based uh, society. But what, when we talk about vigilantism, what 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 is it that we talk? What what exactly are we talking about here? Okay, thanks, Mike. Um, good morning, CV. Where I think very importantly, if we look at the peer a peer definition or conceptualization of vigilantism or a vigilante movement, it is, of course, functioning with outside of the parameters of the formal system of law, um, therefore taking the law into, into their own hands. So that with that comes the, the idea of acting outside of the law to uphold the law. Um, or we can also think about it as, you know, violating the human rights of the criminal in order to protect the, the human rights of the community. Um, so there's that, that playoff, and of course, then two wrongs doesn't make a right, right? Um, and I think if we if we talk about vigilantism in South Africa, we can it's got a long history, and and one of the most famous ones, the vigilante groups that we can bring up is of course Pahat People Against Gangsterism and Drugs, very active on the Cape Flats during the late 80s and early 90s, um, trying to also rid the community um, on the Cape Flats or communities on the Cape Flats of gangsterism and drugs in that area. Also went went together with quite um, severe acts of of violence against gang members, um, and then also you know this 
reign of urban terror um, in, in these particular communities. I think when we when we leave it there, the conceptualization, if we talk about the things that Siwiwe also mentioned is, where is then the spillover between what is a, let's call it a pressure group, um, trying to put pressure on, on, on government and, um, and, you know, in order to, to enforce certain policies like immigration policy or businesses. Um, but on the other hand, also, you know, there is, there will be, as I mentioned, spillover into some some kind of act of, of violence. Um, and I think that's where we see the groups, you know, standing with feet into both territories or stepping into both territories. I was wondering with regards to this particular movement, um, Sivibe also mentioned, what is the long-term vision? Um, we, we do recognize very unequal societies, marginalized societies. We have an unemployment rate 35% plus, it came out now. So these, these groups will become increasingly more so active in communities. I, I think there's now the, the, the documents that the group handed over um, beginning of this week, there's a 14 day response period for these companies to come forward and then, you know, with and, and present their employment records. Um, what happens after the 14 days if these companies say they, they do not? You know, you mentioned, Mike, the issue of citizen's arrest. Citizen's arrest can occur in the case of there being a violation of, 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 um, of legislation, of course, a violation if there is a crime. Um, I don't know if that, if that will be where it will stop. Um, I think that's the, the danger of the situation that we're working with. Let, let, let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Lamprecht. The, 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 before we, pre, we, we go deeper in, into our, our conversation, and, and, and Sevewe, you, you have been very close to the activities you know, of, of the group, so you, you, you feel free to jump in. You know. Sometimes you know, uh, I, I get the sense that we use labels uh, to try and solve uh, issues that are that social issues that are that that are that are more complex, you know, that 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 may seem at 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 face value. If we if, if because the the people who are raising similar issues to what Tutula are raising sometimes have been called xenophobic, and that that would have been the 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 totality of of, of describing them. You know, is is that the way to go, or whether should we not have a more nuanced, more, 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 more detailed conversation. For example, you know, if you've got South African truckers saying they don't want foreign truck drivers to drive in South Africa, and yet South Africa is a member of the of the of the customs union, is a member of SEDEC, is a signatory to the African Continental Free Trade Agreement. Should, should we not be having conversations in that direction that that link us to the broader continent as opposed to trying to cut ourselves off. Mm. Mike, if I may jump in quickly, um, I think it's it, the things that you mentioned, it's very important because we, a, a few things come to mind. We have to, to remember that even if we, even if we manage to get illegal immigrants outside of South Africa or, or send them back to other African countries, the, the unemployment problem in South Africa will not suddenly disappear. Um, we're not going to eradicate the 35.3%, I think it stands now, the official unemployment. We're not going to bring that down significantly. Um, so definitely there's a spillover into a, a broader socioeconomic issue or issues, many, many of them. Um, and I think that's why it's important to, to yes, in society, have, have certain pressure groups where we highlight these, these issues to government. But what needs to happen is that we need, we need policy implementation. And policy implementation cannot occur on, on grassroots level, that needs to be unfortunately top down. So, so the the pressure needs to come and at a at a different place. Um, however, 
and, and then we also have to think about the whole notion of, of not only xenophobia, but Afrophobia um, and how we, South Africa, as a, as a role player within the broader African community, how these groups can also have an um, impact on our leadership abilities within SADC and, and within the broader region. But, but are, we, are we having enough conversations around that? In, in other words, it, it seems to me that we're totally inward looking. And and you know, for, for, you know, I was making the example of the of the foreign truck drivers, you know, because the inverse of that is, is the question that should be asked is if we're saying foreign truck drivers should not work here or, or rather should not even drive on South African uh, roads, uh, will South African truck drivers be allowed to drive elsewhere on the continent? Yeah, are people fully aware of 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 the of the broader picture, you know, and and the broader consequences potentially? Yeah, I think if, if um. I think I agree with you because that's it, it relates back to something that I mentioned earlier about the long-term vision of groups such as these. Um, you you might now seem like you're solving an an, an immediate problem with saying we we will get the illegal immigrants out and we need to employ South Africans, but as you say, Mike, and I agree with you, there, there needs to be part of a, a larger conversation on on what is actually happening, and and the vigilante groups have a very um, they come in and immediately trying to solve a community problem. Um, but that problem will not be solved. The, the example that I mentioned about Pahat earlier, gangs on the Cape Flats, many years later, still very much active and alive. Um, so, so maybe the, the vigilante group achieved something in the late 80s and, and 1990s, but gangs on the Cape Flats is part of a bigger socioeconomic problem. The same with unemployment, the same with marginalized communities in, in Johannesburg and the surrounding areas. And that needs to be the conversation that we need to have. You know, Speaking with some of the leaders of these movements, you know, they would sometimes complain about the fact that the, the conversation that we are talking about, that must be had. Not only that it's not nuanced, but is that many people who are actually having these conversations are talking at them, not with them, to such an extent that they even misunderstand what they are trying to do. For example, they would even emphatically say they have nothing wrong, you know, they have no qualms with foreign nationals being in the country, working in the country, but they only have a problem with undocumented, you know, forereign nationals. And it, and it stops there. And I was talking about with the example that we're making even about truckers. So they would say, well, that's not a conversation that we're engaging. And we call us vigilante group, you call us an hopic, but what we know is that we're a product of community frustrations who remain hopeless, and the government has failed in, in this regard in terms of ensuring that not only do you have immigration policies that govern and regulate who is in the country and how, but also ensure that there is there are regulations in terms of how to implement, you know, the legislation that is there, you know, which the Department of Home Affairs is the custodian of. So if they say, but there's a, there's a governance failure in terms of implementing, you know, their own laws, and we are at the receiving end of this, and the people, you know, upper in in, in upper class echelons are having high-level high kind of conversations, which are not nuanced, which are not even reflective of uh, the material realities that we suffer at the, uh, on the ground, which, of which Tutula movements are a product mm. of. Dr. Lamprex, there, there, there seems to be an additional element uh, to, to all of this. You know, we were talking earlier about vigilantism, you know, where people take the law into their, hand, into their own hands, and, you know, in, in, in a sense. Uh, but I see that, that, that there's a later... And, and Sivewe can, can enlighten us more on this, Sivewe. The emergence of the EFF as part of the mix. 
what 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 is the difference between what because I saw the other time that the EFF was going you know particularly its leader they went to the shops you know to some of the shops in in waterfall and they were wanting to count how many foreigners they are and and they were issuing warnings and things saying they'll come back you know to you know to check if there have been any changes etc what 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 is the difference between uh, is there a difference let me put it that way between Tutula and and the EFF because they seem now to be in conflict. You, you'd have to remember, Mike, you know, for example, before the, the local government elections, you would have had political parties taking, you know, different postures as, as part of winning the election. I mean, uh, to some extent, the EFF would have been clear over time that it wants the borders to be dismantled. It wants, you know, a pan-African approach in terms of how we deal with our neighbors. Uh, you'd have other political parties like your Patriotic Alliance and Action SA, which would have been very vocal about illegal immigration and its impact on SA's economy, especially in economic centers. But after the elections, the EFF, you know, looking at some at the support that some of these political parties who have been vocal about what Tutula now is saying, the EFF would have actually ended the fray uh, by actually saying, let's not necessarily blame the foreign nationals who are here. Let's blame the people who employ them because they want to exploit them. Actually, let's go to these restaurants and these restaurants in the hospitality sector, in the agricultural sector, in farms, to check if these illegal or undocumented immigrants are being employed there at the expense of locals, and there must be a balance. Hence, that, that would have been the visit. Some would have bashed it as, as an opportunistic you know, engagement by the EFF, and some would have said it's consistent you know, with, with them saying the problem is not for the nationals. It's the people who are it's the businesses or the business owners who are trying to exploit their, the, 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 the unfortunate circumstances in which illegal foreign nationals, foreign nationals find themselves in. So there, there would have been that conversation around the EFF's participation. Hence, now you see them bashing at the operation to do that because, according to them, it's targeting foreign nationals as opposed to targeting the people who employ them, for example, especially now. People who are operating, who are working on their own, who are informal traders. Dr. Mm. Lampres, you wanted to come in yeah. now, but before you yeah. do, before you do, uh, let, let's throw into the mix the, the the question of law and order, the maintenance of law and order. To say, what are the implications? Uh, in, in you know, as 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 you are responding to Seville, what are the implications for law and order of having groups such as uh, Tutula or even the EFF? You know, who seem to be wanting yeah. to enforce the law as opposed yeah. to the state. Yeah, with regard to the EFF being a, a political organization or as we said, a party advocating for, for political power, I mean, they would try and enforce change via certain political channels, for example, as, as was mentioned, the local local government elections. However, on the other hand, if you look at the a vigilante group, the mandate of that, of that group would be to enforce change immediately um, and not to go through formal political channels or formal legislative channels. And I think that's the difference between the between the two groups. Um, and, and again, the, the mandate will be different. And in, 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 in the case of the vigilante group, also remember that the mandate of that group will be given by the group, by the community. So it's immediate. Um, the, the, the support that they will get from the community will be immediate support in order to take some kind of action. And as a result of that, um, the, the, the notion of and, and acts of crime and, and criminality um, in that way, in trying to, to correct what is wrong, this Robin Hood phenomena becomes very much legal within the eyes of the community because they are addressing a specific social ill or a, a 
problem within within the community. Um, again, as I said, um, it, it seems like I, I was, I'm, I'm wondering, and maybe Siwebe can come in here as well, I'm wondering what's going to happen after this 14 days um, period that the organization or the, the group gave companies to, to respond. And relating, Mike, to your question of, of legality and the law, um, law and order, etc., it seems like there is always a quite a big police presence when, when the group operates and when they, when they have their marches. Um, but I don't know if that will always be if that will always be the case, especially with the group branching out into different areas. Um, I think there's now a branch in, in Durban as well. Um, and I think it will become more and more difficult in order to control acts of the group. Um, vigilante groups, or they are not usually very much controlled. Um, they have will have different, um, as I said, different branches, etc., um, where they will not necessarily be a central point. So many acts can be done in the name of the group. Um, and therefore, th therefore, it becomes very difficult to control and 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 law, lawlessness um, may may be the the end result. So just just out of, out out of interest, you know, for people who have never you know been close to uh, some of these of of these marches, what is the profile of the people who who participate in the? Is it young people, old people? What 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 who who attends in, in in who attends these marches and participates? Yeah, I would say the numerical majority it's young people. And a fair share of many women, you know, that would be maybe the same. Uh, at first, really, would be between the 30, their, in their 30s and 40s. But in the main, it's young people. It takes different dynamics. Because if you go to the Alex Tutula movement one, it's more involving people who that we would view as homeowners, you know, residents, people who are a bit older you know and it would you could see that they are less organized there's people who actually come from the township and join the cause whereas if you look at operation Tudula, which is more dominant in part of soweto and which is spreading you find that it's a cohort of younger people and most of those are roving crowds you would find that more or less you'd see the very same individuals if you go to soweto and if the following day they are going to Pardfontein, you find almost always the same grouping, which is a roving crowd in the main, even though they would include other individuals. So I'm saying that they take different dynamics in terms of how they organize themselves and their composition in that sense. Okay. Dr. Lampres, you were wanting to come in? Yes, I wanted to say about the profile that um, we just uh, um, explained. I think it's it's incredibly important that it's indicative of uh, of the larger problem that we sit with in South Africa. If we look at also the very low youth turnout at the ballot box, um, and it indicates to us that marginalized poor communities and also the youth without any sense of hope um, and that there will be change um, in the political system, that this would be the, and, and also of course, women, um, female households, etc. Um, this indicates to us this, the socioeconomic crisis that, that we are in. And I, I do want to focus that we'll probably see more of, of more groups like um, Dudula coming out in different um, communities uh, due to the fact that, as I said, uh, youth unemployment, unemployment in general, um, low turnout at the, when it, youth turnout when it's election time. So, so the, the profile that we see at these marches completely fit um, the, the trend that the worrying trend that we're working with within South Africa's political environment.
So we mentioned, you know, the the complaint uh, that some of the of the of the movements leaders made, you know, that they are being talked at, you know, they are not being talked with, you know. Would, would, would it be correct to say that maybe the political system has grown distant from sections of the population? Yes, of course. I think there's a very big um, there's a very big institutional void and a lack of presence also by you you have to ask yourself also Mike where is local community where is local local um, councillors the p- people that we that was elected we elected through the ballot uh, in these particular communities um, they are not coming forward saying wait hold on um, let's do this via the, the the community channel or let's work together um, there's very much of that the voice is non-existent so I completely agree with you that there is a vacuum a, a void and then it's very easy when we see these institutions voids and lack of state capacity and lack of the presence of the state for these non-state actors to come in and very easily swoop up and fill this this political void. And I think also if we look at the structure of of local government in South Africa, um, we should seriously sit down and, and ask ourselves the question, is it working or do we need a different system? Okay. Just before we wrap up, do you see the movement growing and spreading? Or, or will it? Would, do you think that it will burn itself out? Well, I, currently looking at the current developments, uh, I, I would have no reason not to believe that it would grow. Uh, one, because, for example, just looking at the Operation Tudula itself, it has built branches in several regions, in Ekuruleni, in Swane, and it's finding traction from disgruntled President, because remember, there's, there's there's a difference between complaining, you know, uh, or questioning the the motives of the people who lead Operation Tutula, and recognizing that there is a groundswell of frustration on the ground, and these individuals who lead these movements speak to their frustrations, and it becomes easier for them to be within their listening distance, the listening distance of communities. Well, I see we're just about out of time. Let's end it there on the Politics Weekly this week, and I'd like to thank our guests for today's conversation, Dr. Derika Lamprex, who's Senior Politics Lecturer at Stellenbosch University, as well as Sevua Fegeta, who's uh, an ARENA group journalist. And by the way, for a podcast of this conversation, you can go to iona.fm, to Spotify, to Google Podcast, to Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do remember to stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. Mm-hmm.